should engineering be in K-12? Has the movement to include engineering improved the state of education? What exactly are students even learning in a design challenge? In this episode, I discuss my dissertation research to explore these questions. I also give an overview of efforts to find engineering learning and provide strategies to meaningfully integrate engineering into your classroom. Enjoy. Hey, I'm Claire. And I'm Natasha. From college roommates to co-founders of Vivify STEM, pull up a seat as we discuss our experiences as aerospace engineers, teachers, moms, program directors, curriculum writers, graduate students, and friends. This is the STEM Space Podcast. Hi everyone, Natasha here. This is a solo podcast, or a rant, if you will. Um, It's just going to be me today, and it's because I'm currently studying for this big exam in grad school. So I've been four years trying to get my doctorate in curriculum and instruction focused on science and engineering education, and I've told Claire that I can't record a podcast in this next week because I have this exam that's a cumulative exam on everything that I've learned in grad school so far, from learning theories, you know, how people learn, to how that translates to teaching behaviors, curriculum theory, science pedagogy, the nature of science, the history and reform of engineering education, all this stuff. I'm supposed to take an exam about it next week. And I've been kind of synthesizing or putting together all the stuff that I've learned. And I just felt like talking about it out loud and thought, let me hit record and see if this turns into a podcast. So what I want to talk about is the attempts right now to translate engineering into K-12. So if you're listening to this podcast, you probably are very familiar with engineering education, STEM education, and probably use it in your classroom through engineering design practices. Now, One thing to be aware of is science and engineering have very different goals. So science is about studying the natural world. Engineering is more about shaping that natural world. And in my experience, doing design challenges is a really fun, interesting, and exciting thing for students. So we can learn about, say, aerodynamics or gravity and then apply it to a uh, space lander, right? We could talk about how increasing the surface area of the platform causes it to fall more slowly, but increasing the weight might cause it to fall faster when we're in a place where there's drag. So engineering, and this is seen in the Next Generation Science Standards that came out in 2013. Engineering has been integrated into the science classroom as an authentic context for science learning. So it's a way where we can apply and improve on students' understanding of science. But there's this other side in the research field that says we're not going far enough. We think engineering is so important. We live in this engineered world. Everything around us has been designed to change our behaviors, right? Like apps, right? When we have TikTok, it's trying to get us to stay on TikTok and scroll through more videos. Facebook, we want to like people's posts. They want us to buy something. The appliances we use, everything around us is created by someone. And engineering is a huge part of our world, so we should better understand it. 
And a lot of this thinking comes down to building an engineering literacy for our students. So there's been several researchers that have come out in recent years of proposing frameworks for engineering learning. So for example, there was this framework for quality engineering by a professor called Dr. Moore, and she came out with these indicators like process of design, applying science, engineering, and math, developing engineering thinking, what are the engineering tools, bringing in ethics and teamwork and all this great stuff. And so when I looked at her paper, it came out of something called ABET. So the way she developed these engineering um, learning uh, indicators, as she called them, was she went to higher education and she said, okay, what are the expectations of an undergraduate engineer? What do they have to learn? And how can we translate that down to K-12? So ABET is this like accreditation group that says all students should have these outcomes. They have to apply knowledge of science and math and engineering. They need to design and conduct experiments. They need to design a system or a process to meet desired needs within realistic constraints. They need to be able to function on a multidisciplinary team, right? This seems very, sounds great. It fits actually probably how you're using engineering in your classroom if you're a K-12 teacher. The other framework is Cunningham. So Cunningham talks about the epistemic practices of engineering. Basically, what is fundamental to doing engineering? So she went through a bunch of literature and tried to understand what do we know about what engineers do and how can that become translated for K-12? So they looked at engineers in a social context, how they use data and evidence to make decisions, tools and strategies for problem solving, and then finding solutions through creativity and innovation. And then someone else came out and said, well, how about we also talk about the nature of engineering and how the way engineering really works is very different than the way science works. There's a lot of similarities, but there's also differences, and this is important. The problem I have is we're starting from the end and we're saying, okay, this is what engineering looks like in the workforce, and that's what we need to translate down to K-12. We're saying engineering, they are gonna design airplanes, right? So they use a process where they have to look at, okay, I need to design a wing that's aerodynamic, and I'm gonna use these tools like SolidWorks to figure out the best shape to make that airplane go faster and to maximize lift. And then we're gonna translate that down to K-12. So the focus has been entirely on design because that's a lot of what engineers do. It's also been focused on the social side. So who is the customer? What is it that they want? How do we make it inclusive? Why is the diversity of opinions important for the way we design our world to you know, ensure that all of our designs support many different people and their unique needs? And this is all amazing, right? And you're like, okay, where's she getting with this? Where is the learning of math and science? Right now, all we focused on is the application to a design problem. But how are students supposed to apply, say, the design of an airplane wing? They're applying ideas around surface area and shape of an object, 
with these ideas of drag coefficient. It's a lot of fluid dynamics. They have to first build this understanding of some very important foundational math and science before they get to design. When we're doing something in elementary school, we're jumping to the end. We're saying, okay, so for example, I've done heat transfer. And so a common design challenge is to do a heat shield or to build an insulating structure to keep an ice, an ice cube from melting. So the students are presented with a bunch of different materials and they say, all right, now I want you to use your knowledge of heat transfer <laughs> and conductivity, maybe they'll give them definitions, to either minimize or maximize heat transfer. It's in the standards, like it's in Next Generation Science Standards and in the TEKS, the Texas Standards, to be able to apply this knowledge. So they do a design challenge where they're like, ah, oh, I won. I was able to keep my ice cube from melting. But did they understand conduction, convection, radiation, the properties of the materials and how at the molecular level those contributed to this type of heat transfer or lack of or, you know, slowing down the heat transfer? Of course not. It's kind of like saying, I have been eating my entire life, therefore I understand the digestive system. I can see you across the room. I've been seeing my entire life. Therefore, I understand how light reflection and my eyes work. Keep going here, right? So the, the way we view the world and the experiences we have of the world don't translate directly into understanding how the world works. That's why we have science education. We help students build this framework, these constructs to help them understand the stuff that they're experiencing can fit and be classified into different patterns or theories that humans have developed, but helps us make sense of the world. And that body of knowledge is foundational to engineering design. So when I have done a heat transfer unit, I start with science and we talk about our different experiences with heat. I have them do a lab where they actually try to melt an ice cube. And then we classify the different ways that they attempted to melt the ice cube into the different forms of heat transfer. And then we move into some more deeper conceptual understanding of what exactly is happening with convection. What does conduction mean? What is happening at a molecular level, right? There's a lot of instruction and class discussions, questioning. I have to figure out what do they already know what do they have misconceptions about? And then after a week of learning about heat transfer, we move into applying it to a design challenge. And I have them write up very explicitly, why did they use that material? Okay, you call it an insulator. What does that mean? How did you know it was an insulator? So one test they could do is they could heat up one side of the material and see if the other side got hot, right? So is it allowing for the conduction of heat? but you have to be explicit. You have to ask them those questions to really pull out the ideas around the science concepts and how they applied it to the design challenge. Otherwise, we're just building something out of different materials, we're having a lot of fun, and I think play is one of the most important aspects of learning, is kind of tinkering, right? Playing around with different materials, seeing what works, but it doesn't build necessarily to some actual understanding of science concepts. And that's where I think we've gone a little bit off track with engineering education. And we've tried to 
say, okay, engineering literacy is so important for all students, K-12. And there's this uh, newer framework. We've done a blog post about it. It comes out of the American Society of Engineering Education. And it says, you know, all students should have engineering education or, in, or build engineering literacy. They have these engineering habits of mind, like optimism, persistence, collaborations. Amazing. I love it. Engineering practices. Okay, now we're back to design. So we have engineering design, material processing, quantitative analysis, professionalism. Here we have brought back in this idea of being a professional engineer. And we're bringing in the thinking that you said all kids should have engineering literacy, but do all of them need to know the job of an engineer in the sense of, will they all become engineers? No, they won't. A very small percent of the population becomes engineers. And then the third dimension is the engineering knowledge. So they deep do a deep dive into engineering sciences, mathematics, and technical applications. And they give an example of a bridge building activity and how you should incorporate statics and these computational methods is kind of the ideal way to approach designing a bridge. All of that is done in undergraduate engineering. They're basically taking what freshmen, sophomore, juniors, you know, undergrads in engineering are learning and they're mapping it down to high school. And they're saying, wouldn't it be amazing if all of our graduating high school seniors were proficient in what we have defined as undergraduate engineering? systems thinking and material processing. And it's actually pretty complex. And a lot of that I didn't really get as an aerospace engineer. And that's also because engineering is so broad as a term that an aerospace engineer and a biomedical engineer and electrical engineer and a computer engineer are all very different tracks. They have some key principles that are related. And that's what a lot of the literature is about defining what it means to be an engineer. But even ABET, that, that uh, group that I was telling you about that accredits engineering at the undergrad level, stays away from defining these core ideas of engineering. It keeps it really general. And it's like, you just need to be able to apply math and science and engineering. You just need to be able to design a system or a process. You need to be work on a team, right? It's very general because Another aspect of ABET is you also need to take 30 hours of science courses in order for you to become an engineer. And they make it very apparent or obvious that math and science are a key aspect to engineering. And without that foundation, you can't design. Design is actually something that I learned at the very end of my engineering degree. So we had the first two years were very focused on the math and science. So calculus and differential equations and physics, thermodynamics, mechanics of materials, right? These were all very much in the theory. And then we would apply it later on in our engineering program to some actual examples where we, you know, Claire and I got to design and build a rocket. So we got to use our knowledge about propulsion to design a rocket. I don't think this is a perfect way to do it. I prefer where design is interwoven throughout the curriculum. So as you're learning the theoretical side, you're also getting the bigger picture and you're understanding how 
what I'm learning here will be applied to a specific context. And that helps with motivation, keeping, you know, increasing retention in an engineering program. But that's a whole other topic. My thinking now is how does that translate to K-12? Because we're seeing research come out that with this STEM movement, and we're like, ooh, STEM, okay, we're not doing great here in America with math and science. So we have to really push STEM education. And that looks on paper amazing, right? But if you look at what's happening, especially in elementary schools, we're only teaching about 45 minutes of science a week in America. And those 45 minutes, now they're telling us we not only have to do scientific inquiry, so like labs, we also have to do engineering design. And guess which one's more fun? It's the engineering design and it's easy and we can build towers and we can build space landers and we can build heat shields. And that's replacing all of our science learning because it's fun, right? It's motivational. And I, that's why I do what I do with Vilify. I believe that this is such an important way to learn, but not without the science. By dropping all of those basic foundational science concepts, we're just becoming makers, which is great, right? We can build stuff. We know how to use tools. But what about the science? Again, we are now in a world where there is a lot of questioning around experts in the science field because students don't really understand how science works. And it's like, what do you mean you changed your mind about this drug or this vaccine or you found new data and you can just change things? Science isn't one answer. There's not an answer in the back of the book. Science is a process where we start with a question and we collect data and then we're like, oh, I think this is what's going on. And then another researcher does another experiment and says, well, I'm seeing this. And it's a whole community of people working together to make sense of our world, to help us live in it and use it. As an engineer, it's very useful to be able to take that body of knowledge and apply it into our design. But without that foundational science core concepts, we're doing a great disservice to our students. So in my dissertation, the work, my research that I'm doing for grad school, it's taking on kind of a few different pieces. One piece is really trying to examine when we say engineering in K-12, what do we mean? Why are we putting engineering and how does that look? Is it just doing these like tower challenges, design. What does design actually mean when we're talking about like an eighth grade classroom? And then I'm gonna switch over to higher education and I'm gonna to talk to professors who work with freshmen and I'm gonna ask them, what do you feel is the most important skills and concepts for your incoming freshmen? What should they be most prepared in to be successful as engineers? What do you think about the way we're doing engineering education in K-12. Is that better preparing your students? So that's the, the summary of what I'm working on right now and trying to kind of synthesize everything going on in this engineering education uh, research world. And I'll keep you guys updated, talk with Claire all the time about this, um, on the research that I'm doing, the results that I'm finding, and just how to help you better implement um, science, engineering, STEM education in your classroom. But for now, STEM space out. 
we want to take a second to give a big thank you to listeners out there who've been tuning in to the STEM Space podcast. We love what we do. We love sharing content, the latest and greatest of STEM education, and tips and tricks to help you to teach STEM. If you have been listening to us and would love to support us, please leave us a review so we can keep sharing amazing resources and content. Thank you.